Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit is different podcast studios and I'm your host Kari Frazier today I got somebody that is um yeah one of my homeboys my man uh, somebody grand. that definitely goes back 100 grand when it comes to politics we definitely sometimes stand on different sides of we the do, fence we do we do but when i say this is my man's this is my man's this von man's errington sure. how you feeling my brother man listen the love is real bro i'm feeling full of it right now i'm full of i'm full of appreciation i'm digging everything that you putting down bro it's so much happening in your space yeah. i'm glad to be up in here man i'm loving it bro yeah and i mean it this is um such a unique story that yeah. people are going to watch unfold as they see like young black men come together and we getting a little bit older, but still just like young black dudes coming yeah. together with vision yeah. and with business and purpose. Let, mm-hmm. Let's get into the usual Detroit is different story. Yeah. So your family, Detroit, what led your family and your people to come to the city of Detroit? Well, I mean, that's a story, man. One of the one of the one of the, uh, the tailorings of the issue is trauma. Hmm. Um, my mother. Ah man, it's a story, but I'm gonna make it so short though, man. I got I got a, a mother who um was adopted, you know, and I don't know all of the details to this, but I do know that one part of her family is white that I never got to meet. Okay. Um and we found out later on down the line that she actually had a different mother than who we thought. Okay. Um and so that's a whole story of how it all happened, but I do know that there was some issues that made her stay here. So she was adopted yeah. by a family here in the city of Detroit. That's right. Yep. And she decided to stay. She decided to stay. My mother has been here. Now, she, uh, as we got a little bit older, she wanted to move out of the city as things took a left turn. And so now she ain't here. But, man, we, we prided on the city, bro. We here. We ain't leaving, bro. So all of my siblings, we here in the D. So uh, father's side, where, yep. where about stay from? Oh man, my my father's family is down south. Um, okay, they all they all outside of the D. What uh, what part of down south? Oh uh, man, it's so spread. It spreads so much. Kari, they down in Mississippi. We got some in Alabama. Um, Basically, like every state you could think of, <laughs> they down there, bro. My father would have to tell that story because I don't even know it. You mm-hmm. know, but I do know this. I know my father, man. My father surprises me. He kind of like you, bro, uh, on, on the way of. You know how me and you back in the day when we used to converse on on the, on the common time, um, we would talk about something, and then I would know a little something about this one particular subject matter, and then you would just come back like, "Yeah, bro, I know all about that." Hilarious. And you would just know so much about. That's how my father is, man. He knows so much about so many different things. And um, he's just a great, great guy to talk to, though. But straight up pride in the city. Um, he a different kind of guy, bro. I, I met him one time. I remember. I don't even know if you remember. At, uh, what, what led him this way from being down south? My father, um, he was born here. Mm-hmm. He was born here. But when you go back to my, my, uh, my great grandparents, they all came up here. I believe that that happened during the time where everybody was trying to get them jobs, bro. Okay. That's what I think 
took place and um you got a you got a story where you got a bunch of hustlers man that's trying to make sure that their families eat their families are doing well that they got some type of generational income you know mm -hmm. wealth going on and my father has already been has always been that kind of guy to make sure that something is moving that's taking care of him you know his family his people and so um I think what what brought them here is the same thing that keeps my father moving the way he moved now, nah, man. One of the smoothest, most honest, most real. And something, something really unusual that's different about my father, Curry. Not one time in my whole life. I'm 39 years old, bro. I have never heard my father say a negative word, bro, about anyone. Mm. You know, real different kind of guy, bro. Maybe that's that Southern hospitality coming through his spirit. He was mad cool when I met him. And yeah. when I say cool, not cool, like... Okay, he was cool on that level of like, you know, somebody, you know, cool has many meanings in the black community. So like yeah. somebody can be cool, meaning that they are like a cool person to meet, friendly, kind. Yeah. But also cool like Snoop Dogg. Like, damn, he, he, <laughs> like something about this dude is just like in the cut. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So. Yeah. For he sure. was kind of uh, hit both of those. But along with both of those, you said all your siblings, brothers yeah. and sisters, how many? Man, so you know, I got I'm, as as a lot of folks in the D. I got two families. I got the mother. I got the father side. Yeah, yeah. So on the mother side, it's four of us total, mm -hmm. and uh, all of us are here in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm and I am uh, one of the two boys, and then there's two girls. I got a younger sister, older brother, older sister. Okay. You know, and then on my father's side, man, it's five of us over there, mm -hmm. and I'm the oldest boy out the group. Okay. You know? Now neighborhood. Neighborhood. What neighborhood did you grow up oh, at, like man. as a kid? Whew. Okay, so let's just say this: my father and mother were were they was in the hustling business, bro, pushing them rocks out. Yeah. So you know what that leads to? We moved a lot. Okay. You know, we was we was in the number streets. What do you remember? Like, what was the first home you remember? Like, you know, as a childhood recollection. Stahalen. Okay. I remember we stayed on Stahalen, uh, like Plymouth. Hmm. Um, so like that Cody neighborhood. Yep. Yep, down up in there, bro. Not 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 too far. Not too far um uh, from Cody. We was like right right there. But we uh we were there and I remember we had to move because the house got broken into from the dope selling. They came in looking for the money, so we had to move and then we moved again. We lived on Twelfth and Webb. We lived on Linwood and Buena Vista, which is right around the corner from from this Basically spot. around here. My name Right here. Yeah, I mean this and, used to uh, be my hood. And that whole way and your and your your people stayed in the game that whole time. They did. And when yep. you in the game moving, um, that brings a different identity. Like, yeah. even if you know people, you don't yeah. necessarily know people when you, you know, working at, you know, working the underground economy. Yeah. Uh, you know, your man say, yeah, man, you can move down the street. But you don't even know if your man just said move down the street, maybe setting you up on a play that he setting up or something. Right. Yeah, man. And then actually being in the game, having children where you moving is a whole different get down my homeboy big james and right now i'm doing the garden right there where big james house is yeah uh big james house his dad little yeah. james was the kid you know it is it, it's a different reality yeah. what was that like just seeing like did it seem when did you know that like this is different than what other kids have was it looking at tv was it when you went to school how did you recognize that like okay this household is a little bit different than yeah what the other kids see you know what it what it actually man i didn't really notice until i was in prison um how different my family was i didn't realize it mm. but growing up uh we moved so much 
and I, I didn't really know that that was different. I didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. And then my mother and my father split. Um, and so the, the dope game on the rocks kind of slow, kind of just dropped off. And then both of my parents, they hustled weed though. So they mm -hmm. individually did that still, but it wasn't no more that real fast paced life. But growing up, man, I had a lot of stuff that I ain't think it was different than anybody else. You know, I had huge train track in my basement, man, and stuff like that. Um, but I ain't never know, you know, what what the difference was. I, I ain't really realizing until I was in prison and I watched the Cosby show, actually. I watched the Cosby show on that 13-inch KTV black and white, man, up in, uh, 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 what was I? I was up in Ionia. Funny name, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ionia. Yeah, but I, I was there. Why, don't you say Alpina, but Ionia. Yeah, Ionia, man. I was there. I, Alpina ain't too far, though. We going up north. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was at Bellamy Creek Correctional Facility watching uh, the Cosby show, man, and they was eating at the table. And I and I just thought like, damn, why I ain't never get to sit at the table and eat. My mother would never allow us to be at the table and eat and do stuff like that. What's, mm -hmm. what's that about? So I started to realize that my family was different in another context. They was different in that, you know, it was some, it was some issues brewing that later on I would want to work on resolving in the black community, you know? So, and then in unpacking some of that, let's talk about some of your school journey. Cause yeah, definitely being, being a kid of a dope boy. And especially like, you know, when your mom was in the game with him too, that's like a whole different get down. That's yeah. like what we watching on, uh, you know, people watching on television, like with Snowfall or The Wire or something like that, but living it, yeah. it's a different reality. Like yeah. I say, I remember what little James had, like, it would be so weird because, like, some days little James would have, like, a new gold chain. But mm -hmm. then some days we would have to, like, I remember my mom used to, like, sometimes have to take, like, water buckets yeah. over to James and them house. Because it would be the up and down of where right. things would go with the crews and how money went. And this is, like, the late, we the same age. So this is, like, the late 80s where money was, you know, people would leave a plant damn near drop their check at the door of the dope spot. Right. And, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was money. And then it was no money. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like, in some ways, James had the eight ball jacket as mm -hmm. a kid. But then James sometimes went out running water. It was some weird shit. Yeah. Yeah, man. That, that was the that was the that was the turbulence of that era, yeah. you know, of us having money. But, you know, we also had a along with a lot of money of doing that plant life. There was also a whole lot of trauma. Yeah. that we dealt with as families and so you you start to see people trying to find ways to deal with that trauma because you know mental health and dealing with all of that stuff man you know a lot of our folks don't don't deal with it in yeah. the way that we should and so you end up in this position where they find another ways to deal with it and so it's that the drugs itself is the escapism boom. to the gateway there you go that's it you know it's you know getting high is a vacation Hey, listen, it's it getting high. You lifting yourself away from the problems that are within your environment. Yeah. You know, and I, that's one thing I'm proud of with, with me and you is we we never escaped that, bro. Like, we, mm -hmm. like no matter how much money moving or whatever we dealing with, whatever, no matter how hard it is, we continue to fight that fight, bro. Like we could have been left, but we here because we yes. know what we got to do. Now, when you talk about knowing what you got to do school for you what schools yeah. did you go to uh that Ooh, you were in here come the list you know because <laughs> you know we moved so yeah steward elementary we don't even really exist yeah where it did which yeah. was right over here steward's gone um i went to pastor elementary 
I went to Marsh. Mm. Um, I went to John R. King. So there we go. That's four or five uh, yeah. elementary schools. Uh, that's a lot, man. And then I moved on to middle school and I did Cerveny, Winship, uh, and then uh, Guess. Mm. Yep, I did Guess. And then I had, I got kicked out of uh, Detroit Public Schools. In for, middle school? In middle school. I ended up wow. getting kicked out. Yeah. What was uh what was the incident that led you to get kicked out in middle school with DPS? Uh, I think I, I think I got into a I got into a fight of some sort, man. I I really I don't even remember, Kari, but it was something to do with fighting and gang stuff. Okay. Yeah. And and and, and gangs here are different, but what neighborhood? Because like I think it's more like street affiliation and that was that was the, else. that was the usual Detroit with street affiliation and then we had started getting into some Chicagoian stuff, man. I think some fellas came to my neighborhood that was from the shy and we started this little, it was folks. I mean, we yeah. remember folks, you yeah. know? Uh, so people know like folks up, like if, if you remember, well, it's still strong in Chicago. I yeah. mean, vice Lord gang culture is different in Chicago than it oh, was here sure. before a stint in the nineties folks, you see these little pitchforks. Yeah. You yep. know, folks for our Lord King Satan. You know what I'm saying? Like That's folks up. You <laughs> see people like you know doing folks up. You see like these little pitchforks, and then people like holding the fo folks up, and like as they know, like throwing the gang sign, stacking and dancing. Yeah. You know, yeah. doing the arrow flint and hitting the folk sign, and you be like, I don't want to ride your bike down that street. Yeah, man. A lot of a lot of folks. Um, and you know the folks didn't mean what a lot of folks said it meant, but it was. It originally started out with something very positive, mm -hmm. man. You know, it was something. It was the. I think it was one of the first community groups established yeah. to make sure that the 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 folks in the community were safe, away from the folks that was designed to come against us, the police officers. You know, that beat wasn't for us. That was to go and get us. And I don't, I don't think a lot of black folks know about that. And I'm glad you knowledgeable on that because I'm sure you didn't spit on it. I but, mean, many uh, as we know, uh, I don't know how many people watched it from Boone. Yeah. Uh, Bastards of the Party, a great documentary mm -hmm. about the start of the Bloods, but many of the organizations. So when I say folks for our Lord, clean Satan, yeah. that's definitely down the line. But yeah. a lot of the what was labeled as gangs in the black community and even in the Italian community were uh, security forces yeah. protecting against police and other oppressors. Yeah. Um, many times, like yeah. even when we think of what the Crips were. But then you yeah. you have. You you include um, the insecurities, the traumas, the 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 adolescence, yeah. and, and and how to make decisions, mm -hmm. and especially so much money that was moving in the nineties. Right, it changes the dynamics of what that group is. Yeah, it definitely did do some changing. It you you're right. That's how the alterations I think came about was younger guys with a different agenda. Yeah. Want money, wanting power, wanting to be respected in a way that probably wasn't really respect for real. Yeah. Um and that stuff started to twist and turn what it originally was created to be. And so, you know, that's where I came into it at was where it wasn't it was it wasn't what it was intended to be when I got into it. And so we ended up wreaking havoc in a community, man. The gangs, um it, it changed from the, the street gangs into folks and then a lot of folks were saying folks down which was really a disrespect it wasn't yeah. ever a set folks down was never a set it was just a way to disrespect the folks yeah um and so those guys man we beefed a whole lot a lot of a lot of junk going on in the hood but um but that stuff man i, I came into and um 
I was over around the area of Six Mile Schaefer during that time. Ah, man. Moving back in and out from Southwest Detroit okay. to West Side Detroit um, and getting getting all wrapped up in that. And that's around the time I went to prison. I was in Cooley High School at the time I went to prison. Cooley, Cooley accepted Cardinals. me. Cooley yes, man. Cooley. So you got back in DPS. I did. In the bro. one school you went to. Definitely, <laughs> when we think about like schools that intersect a lot of neighborhoods, yeah. I went to Northwestern. Cooley's another one of those schools. It so is. So you got like Finkel. Yeah. You got Puritan. So yep. like you know people be like PAs, you know yep. FAs, mm -hmm. folk. You know yep. what I'm saying? Six Mile Dogs, which was, <laughs> yes. which was which was on that side of things too. You're right. That whole area intersected right there on uh, what's that? What's that? That was a. Uh, that's Finkel Hubble. and Hubble. Yep. Yep. Finkel and, so, and Hubble. Yeah. So that was it there. So I was there um, around and the time I went to prison. And then when too. we think about Cooley too, the location of it, it's really not another school uh, for a while because, I mean, Mumford's pretty far away. Yeah. Uh, McKenzie's kind of far away. Yeah. Reference definitely far away. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of kids right. that went there. Like, it, it was it was more spread mm -hmm. than most, yeah. you know? Uh, so definitely like, you know, yeah. kind of like a Northwestern, like Cooley, even the tradition now, you know, them Cooley Cardinals. Yeah, yeah man. You know, we know those classic uh, Cooley basketball games. Like I tell people like Ben Kelso and, you know, people yeah. know like, yeah, them Cooley games, Cooley Refford may have been one of the best rivalries, but also, you know, depending upon what the score of the game was, like if it was, if the game was ending in like two minutes, you be like, yeah, I kind of want to leave. And, right. And, you don't want to be there, bro. Yeah, yeah. Shout <laughs> out to, go down. Um, shout out to Willie Green right now. Uh, he just took the coaching job oh. down for the New Orleans Pelicans. Another Cooley Cardinal graduate of Cooley. And oh, uh, rest in peace to his brother Ben. But I remember like classic games where yeah. like, Willie was amazing at Cooley. You know Man, it's funny like, you just mentioned Kelso because uh, yeah. Big Kelso used to play for the Pistons. Yeah. And Kelso was actually the reason why I was able to attend wow. Cooley because he wow. man listen he he I met him and he say man where your life going wrong at what's going on man let me get you up in here can you play basketball I say nah I can't play <laughs> he say well you're gonna be on my team anyway okay so you actually hooped on Cooley squad bro I never went out to to the court and play I, okay, but, <laughs> I, I mean, was but, just there but wearing a Cooley jersey under Kelso that's like some legendary uh you know what I'm saying that's yeah. legendary well I did I okay. definitely did Ninth you, grade. you was you yes, was like sir. the last guy on the bench but that's still something yeah, it was something, man. It was something. And he let me in there. He got me into the school as long as I was on the team. And, um, yep, I ended up going to prison from there. I was 16 I was sixteen for two days, Kari, and then I began that 10-year that sentence from there. <laughs> so know? what was the stint that got you uh, that, that got you locked up? And, and how did that – well, first, even before we go there, all right, yeah. even being on the end of the bench, how right. did that feel? How, what was it like – being at a Cooley game because I'm just spectating watching right Cooley refer what was it like actually wearing the jersey even though you was on the bench just Man. seeing that atmosphere because it it felt like being at a Cooley game it felt like first off because I it's the old school gyms where like the stands also went to upstairs yeah. and it felt like the ground was shaking yeah in there wow how did it feel like being on the team? Well, I'm gonna tell you this, bro. I hate to I hate to tell you the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But I gotta get helped by God, so I have to. Uh -huh. Man, listen, I was so wild, Kari. I never put the jersey on, bro. Uh -huh. I, listen, man, I end up getting I end up getting the sentence before that could even happen. You, you know? got the sentence before you were actually 
uh, before the season started, the team and everything. Yep, yep. I mm. got the sentence before that happened. Mm. Yeah, mm. man. So. Well, well, let's say this for Kelso uh, and, and all the Cooley Cardinals. Um, you saw some vision in Vaughn, and I mean, it it it, it, it took, took a while. while. It, it took, took a while, while to come to for me, but but you saw it. Yeah, it bubbled up at some point. And it came out, yeah. you know. It definitely came out. I had to do that ten man, and then come out right. I would love to run into Kelso now, man. I wonder what he into if you're around. I wonder where he at. If if I'm correct, I mean, I hate to call this. I mean, I'm gonna Google it. I think he may have passed away, but. I, I may be wrong though. I may be wrong, but I'm gonna okay. definitely look this up as we're talking. What was the stint that? Uh, what was the incident that led to you to put down ten? Because ten is a is a diamond strong, yeah, especially bro. at sixteen. It is, it is, man. But if I could say say so myself, you know, I can't really speak for nobody else. Just for me. If I was going to ever do 10 years, I think that frame of time was probably the best time to do it. You know, when I had a lot to learn, when I was doing a lot of deve development, figuring life out. You know, I think that was probably I, I definitely wouldn't want to do it right now. But um, I, I mean, we should never want to do it, period. But if I ever had to, I would say that was the best time of my life to to have to do it. But um, carjacking, armed robbery, man, I was I was uh, out with a broken pellet gun man and robbed a guy with it it looked real and i was mm. young i couldn't get a hold of a real gun at the time but we needed money and um man i went out took this guy's i want to meet this guy i, I uh, i've been saying his name on a couple of occasions man on different interviews and I, I hope that one day i get to apologize to this brother in person but his name was lewis gibbs and um mm. my i was 16 for two days man and uh, we took the brother's car, you know, and um, that that began it. You know, I got caught that night and um, and I didn't come home till 10 years later. So I was 26 years old. Wow. Yeah. Now, now, this is the pressure when we think of machismo and the thought process. So like guys like you, um, Seven the General, Youssef, yeah. uh, Shaka, so many other dudes that like put in so much time, especially at an early age, you know, uh, Raphael Johnson. Yeah. Um, Good brothers. Yeah. It's tough being away, but the, the masculinity and the machismo of just being around a lot of men. Yeah. Not locked up, mm -hmm. but let alone, I know in lockup from the outside looking in. I was arrested for 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 one day, and let me put it like this: I hated posting bond, but best money I've ever goddamn spent. Yeah. So I can only imagine what those incidents escalate like, because mm -hmm. it can just be something as small as like, you know, a guy saying like, "Yeah, man, you from Linwood too?" My man said he don't know you. Like something like that could be like, yeah. okay, do I do I sock him in the face? Do I do I not say nothing? Do I brush it off? Yeah. Like the I guess the anxiety of not knowing when this could be a violent situation. Yeah. And then knowing that violent situation can spark off any time just due to like this person's just frustrated. Their anger yeah. has them there. And they may yeah. want you to even play into your anger. Yeah. That anxiety seemed like it would be what would make prison uh, unbearable for me. Individuality. How did you deal with that? I mean, that's it. Depends on who you are. 
Cause that anxiety that you're talking about, the the, the environment being tense and, and, and mm -hmm. kind of chaotic, I, that was my house, you know? And, and I didn't really realize it till, you know, looking back, but uh, that was my household. My household was tense and chaotic and you yeah. never know when some shit gonna pop. My, my mother was like that, you know? So being around a bunch of guys that was on that same tip, you know, sad to say it, bro, but it felt like, it felt like home, what I knew to be home. And, you know? and and that seems to be what would make it so heavy for me yeah. and even and even the adjustments like I, I remember like one time we was at an event your homeboy that got out it, you, I, you may not even remember this and yeah. like he just put in like 12 okay and you was like trying to drop some game on him and i'm like look he just put in 12 his mind yeah. it's hard for him to even process this because first yeah. off it's too many people this room too big you know what I'm saying? Like, right. even to this day, like the way you look, I mean, I notice it. I don't know if other people notice it, but the way you people space before you even engage in the space. Yeah. You know, like you don't even walk in a room like everybody else. You, Shaka, Yousef, any of them. Like, you know, the way y'all may like a corner more than the other person. And it's like, right. nah, let that man get that corner. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, it's that classic scene in Malcolm X where it's like, I don't like to sit with my, with my back to the door. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah that's cool for some people to say, but it's like, all right. He's saying that because he's seen somebody, you know. Yeah, we didn't we didn't see some things. I mean, now at this point, I don't always feel like that. Cause mm -hmm. just because the spaces I move in, I mean, you never know where I'm at at this point in life. Yeah. But so I don't I don't really feel like that all the time. But if I'm in a certain spaces though, I do want to be a little careful how we move in, you know. And that's and I and I peep that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like a different uh way but you're saying like even as a child it was something where you were so used to possibly seeing chaos pop off at any time that you kind of already were had a comfort zone in that yeah yeah man i mean i mean just to give you a quick visual on that bro i seen my sister get her ass sliced open with a cleaver mm. by my mother mm. you know and put out the house naked bro and have to run miles yeah. away naked bro yeah. Like this real talk, run naked to from from Six Mile and Schaefer to Grand River and uh and Hubble. You yeah. know, and so so when you when you growing up seeing that kind of stuff and then the things that happened to me too, you 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 end up with this kind of, you know, it it ain't it ain't like you you fearless cuz you so confident, but you fearless because you don't really know much else like you understand chaos and so when you in the middle of it you ain't really fearful because it's common it's you you used to it and when you talk about that used to it in chaos it's, it's unique because it's like you know when people take the bus yeah you know and then a person gets on the bus and they make spaz out a little bit or you know this past weekend i'm walking down the street and it's a guy and you know i got my i got my camera my camera equipment costs a lot good lens and all that stuff yeah. and he kind of spazzing you know yelling shouting cussing you know, a lot of other people like walking away from them, mm -hmm. but it's such a weird back to like the mental machismo. It's like, okay, I'm going to still walk past this dude. Yeah. I assume prison, you probably see incidents like that all the bro, time. Bro, listen, man, this just a quick story. I slide in here about, about a two minute story, bro. I'll make it shorter than that. I was walking. I was the guy who typed up the tickets, the gambling tickets. In, in prison so i would type these up on my typewriter and people would gamble you know put a few dollars on it yeah and uh after about 100 people do that you got a little bit of money you know so i would do that and um i was walking and i was handing handing out these tickets man 
And uh, a guy walked past with a blade that was about 14 inches long, bro. Yeah. And just hit the guy in front of me with it. Bing! In the back. And the guy falls. And he just, he just, he he's committed to this, man. He gonna stab this guy. So the guy fall down and bang, bang, bang. You could hear the bottom of his palm, bro, mm -hmm. hitting the guy's back. Yeah. And so you know that that blade going through. And this is like right next to you. Bro, this in front of me. Right in front of you. Just like this microphone is. Yeah. And so I watched this and I said, damn. And so I, I'm trying to catch my man that I was giving a gambling ticket to. So I get him one and I pass out the other ones. Then I go into the unit. And as I was going up the stairs, man, I, I my homeboy is, is, is right next to me. And I said, bro, you know, I think we really kind of messed up, bro. Because you were so desensitized and you just knew to respond. Like, I can't even look at this. Like, I'm seeing this, but I'm not seeing this. Yeah, I, I couldn't really take in that one of my brothers that it, it might be being killed. Yeah. You know, like that didn't um, rock me like it should rock me. Yeah, you didn't stop. You didn't scream. You didn't say, hey, help him out. You, It was like, yeah, here go your ticket. Yeah, bro. It, it, I, I just was focused on my agenda. And that's what happens a lot of times in the hood, bro. We we just get kind of focused on our agendas because the violence and the mayhem is what we always around. Yeah. You know, and we, we become kind of numb to it. It's sad, bro, but it's our it's our reality, man. Now, when you talk about that reality, after serving those 10, mm -hmm. this is around the time we meet. You get out. Yeah. What what happens? You're out of jail. Mm -hmm out of prison yeah after 10 years so like you were a teenager yeah now you're a grown man yeah i'm, I'm called what, such yeah what's happening what's what's going on in your head because many people struggle through recidivism um yeah. back to like what we say you know we're, we're humans like comfort i mean you know yeah. i think mammals like comfort so like it's easily comfortable to get back into the game i mean you've been locked up it's other people that can put plays together for you uh but you had a whole different plan. How yeah. did you execute it? What was on your mind when getting out of prison? What What's going on? Man, it, it, it reaches back to me finding out about God. You hmm. know, I, be, I became um, really involved in Christianity while I was locked up. Okay. And that did some things for me. How, how long in? Um, about six, between six and seven years in. What was the catalyst that made you say, all right, let me turn to Christ? Curex. It was a Curex ministry. And it was a weekend where the prisoners could go to this one building to be able to get out their cell. Yeah. Um, and I'm all about that. I want to get out my cell. So you look at it like, hey, anything to get out. Hey, anything, bro. I took so many different classes, man. Hey, that had nothing to do with me. I even took substance abuse classes and I had never yeah <laughs> only thing i had smoked was weed i was at all type of classes anything that got me out that cell but i was there um at this kirex ministry weekend and, and and like i said for me it was just get out the cell but it turned into something really different man it was brothers in there that was hardcore you know multiple murder cases and all type of stuff and um these brothers was breaking down you know what i'm saying they was just kind of like you know just just looking real gentle to me to in my perspective back then my perspective ain't that right now but they was just looking real soft you know like they yeah. they had became affected by all of this you know these brothers talking about they love them and this christ guy and all this stuff so i just watched this for the weekend 
And you but, said multiple murders, so that means they probably serving natural life. Oh yeah, there was some natural, yeah, for sure. So That's, like, uh, like when people say, "Man, how you gonna get double life?" So like, life a life sentence, twenty five years, but yeah. you know, like a natural life means you that's die. really what most people when you hear life. And I ain't even the biggest prison prison person, but I know enough prison people. Yeah. Life, you basically it's like this. It, after twenty five years, you can damn near look at it like, "Hey, you, you don't spend most of your life in prison." Right. But natural life is you will die yeah in prison that's right and yeah. usually if you have multiple murders that's what you, you got get. the natural ill you getting a net that's what we call it you gonna you gonna probably get a net and there was a lot of guys that had nets and and these brothers was inside of this curex weekend changing their page man like they were becoming impacted by this whole christianity thing which it never it didn't really get to me during the weekend but at the end of it it did at the end of it, it did, Kari. I, 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 uh, I had walked out of the weekend uh, of this building, and I went back into the prison, and I realized, man, I'm around a bunch of people that they never say they love me. They actually do the opposite. They say with all of their actions, and they might say out loud, like, "Nigga, I want to kill you," or "I don't, yeah. I don't fuck with you," or "I'm gonna do this." And these guys would do these things. And I knew that I was going back into an environment that was very much different than what I I had never really heard my mother say, I love you. Yeah. So to hear this and to hear that it was some sort of God that loved me was weird. Yeah. It was different. And I had been to church before. I had heard some of this before, but I never paid that much attention. But your attention. presence of mind was not there. Not at all. Especially with this gateway of looking at somebody with natural life. Right. Breaking down. Like, this puts it in a different context. Yeah. Yeah, bro. It did. It put it in a whole nother context, bro. And when I walked out of there, it, it hit me that I was committed to a lifestyle where there was no love. And that I was mm. reproducing this. Wow. And that's when I, I had to take another look at my life, man. And I and I just wonder. And it makes me emotional even right now, bro, because I, I thought to myself, you know, am I worthy of being loved? Damn. Am I should should God love me? Yeah. You know, I did I just didn't take the opportunity like them guys did. And so when I walked in the cell, I collapsed, bro. I collapsed, man. I fell against my locker. Because I was just emotionally impacted by it, man. I asked God, would you love me too? And is this like one of the first times you can remember being in prayer and having a conversation with God? Uh, man, well, it wasn't the first time I had prayed. I had, I had prayed before that, which has something to do with this as well. Because one of the dreams that I had after praying, it was about the different religions that I had, I had kept being approached by. You know, the Sunnis, the Shiites. Um, the nation, the Moors, all of them would approach me and ask me to participate in their services. And I had never seen so many different religions or gods yeah. as I looked at it then. So I pray, I said, God, which one of these is real? Like, is it a bunch of different gods? Mm -hmm. And I prayed. And when I when I dreamed, it didn't make sense to me then. But I I prayed. And in my dream, I was in this water and it was a bunch of different like hawks or, or birds and they all looked the same one of them grabbed me and pulled me out the water and i woke up mm. and that was like that was like six years prior to what i'm about to tell you i saw i was at the curex ministry 
uh, weekend and a brother had painted my dream. Yeah, they had this activity where you were to paint whatever you, it was about 15, 20 prisoners in there. And the activity was, you know, here goes some paint, here go a white canvas, do whatever comes out. And so we all started painting and one of the brothers painted this picture of these birds and somebody in this water and the bird was grabbing the guy. And it blew my I, I, So oh, he man. you didn't talk to him. I didn't say anything about it. You didn't he didn't know anything of it. No. Nope. But that was the image that you had from the dream. Yeah. And that dream, you're saying six years, that was almost like your first year in. Yeah. Yep. It was my first year in. I was in Lapeer. I was at Thumb Correctional Facility, level four. Mm. And um, and that's when I had that dream. I had been put in the hole for making uh, spud juice. I was making wine in there and they put me in the hole for that. And that's when I had the dream. And uh, when I saw this picture, man, I, I didn't know how to make sense of it then either. But I knew that something weird was going on in this whole little weekend session, you know. And so what I take from it now, though, man, is that God is omnipotent, man. He everywhere. He in everything. You can't call him one name. He all of them. And some mm. people going to get to know him on one level. Another person going to get to know him. On, and when I say a person, I mean different nations, different cultures, yeah. different religious groups. I feel like God is omnipotent, bro. He is in everything and everyone, just about everyone. And he is going to allow you to worship him and see him and, and, and have uh, been be a part of his mission, regardless of what group you're standing with. And that's what I took from the painting, that it didn't matter which one of these birds that I clung to. But it was the fact that I needed some spiritual direction. I wow. needed to know he was there and I needed to recognize and revere him. Now, now, I mean, not not to state too far here, but this is just questions that I got to ask because so many brothers go through this. And and you being in prison, one of the biggest chips on a lot of guys that I think feel is how unfair it is. Like when I read, you know, Yusef's window to my soul. Yeah. You know, he had that in the beginning, but he had to let go of that because, I mean, like a lot of people, what he ended up going to prison for was not even a crime he committed. Now, was right. he doing other crimes in and around there? Yes. Yeah, admittedly so. Yeah. But it's still sometimes hard to let go, mm -hmm. especially being your age, being 16. It's like, damn. And then mm -hmm. now you see all these other people that done stuff way more wild. They get out sooner than you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, People that have other resources. You know, you start hearing, you know, the other thing about prison is the, you know, as they say, the, the jailhouse attorney. Yeah. Oh, man, you could have, you should have, yep. yep. if you, yep. the appeal, exactly. you could have, you know, you can hold like that chip on your shoulder of like resentment. Yeah. Of like feeling like, damn, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Which will usually lead to people questioning faith. Right. Yeah, it does. Did, did, did you experience any of that? How did you overcome that? Because, I mean, on some level, I don't even know why I'm asking. On some level, you had to have had to question some mm -hmm. of not maybe not necessarily God, but definitely the situation and the circumstance. Man, and have some listen, bro, I'm writing a book right now. It's called A Whole Lot of Peanuts. Yeah. And the story is about the, the 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 justice that is not served to the people that are victims of what's going on in that community. And when I say that, I mean that people are going through different traumas in all these different communities. Yeah. But in ours, the issues that we have, they're, they're not they're not engaged. Mm -hmm. They're 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 turned away from. And so when I was going to school and I was expressing that I had all these different problems and I want to help. 
bro. Ain't nobody helped me out, bro. And then when I end up, you know, going to prison, you know, not not saying that what I did was because I because I, I let me say this for me preface what I'm about to say with this here. I'm t I'm terribly uh, guilt ridden about what I did to Lewis Gibbs, bro. That's why I mentioned that I would love to see this brother and apologize and show him my life and show him what I'm doing now and how I help out these other brothers who might go yeah. on the page I was going on. But I just want to say this, that I need to spend 10 years incarcerated. Was I really out to hurt someone that I deserve the statement that came from the parole board that said yeah. we regret that we don't have jurisdiction over Vaughn Arrington 264570 that we believe he's going to be a menace to society and should not be released. Yeah. Was that accurate? Yeah. We both know the answer to that. Hell no. Look at me. Mm -hmm. You know, so for them to say that, for them to have this idea that I should be incarcerated for so long, even past what they had jurisdiction to hold me. That makes that's a testament, bro, to some truth. That's happening. And that truth is this. They kept the recidivism up on purpose. They kept that rate up so that they could show the public that these guys are savages and we yeah. need to keep them locked up. We need to increase the sentencing. We need to keep them confined because they're going to wreak havoc on the community. But brothers like me, because I ain't saying that all of us want to come home and hug and love on everyone. I ain't saying that. But the brothers that did, the brothers that do. They, they was kept inside so the brother named peanut the reason why the book is called a whole lot of peanuts is because i went to the parole board with a blue card i i, I had gained a carpenter's license i had um, graduated from culinary arts and hospitality management courses which was a year and a half as well i, I had gotten a ged i had started pursuing college mm -hmm. um i had custodial maintenance technology i, I had got into bloodborne pathogen training and, and the list goes on. I had a couple of substance abuse certifications, man. I had done so many different things. And when I did all of this stuff, bro, it, it ended up being this situation where I had been told that I was unworthy to go home. But this brother Peanut was. Let me tell you about Peanut. Peanut had been convicted four different times, Kari. Four different times he had been back and forth to prison. Mm -hmm. And on this occasion, he had done nothing at all to rectify his issues that got him there. No educational training, no plans for when he went home, nothing. Nothing at all was planned out for this brother's life. And me and him went to the pro board the same day and Peanut was released mm -hmm. and I was kept. Yeah. And so what that showed me was that there's a plot to this. There's yeah. something going on to this. And I ended up becoming a block representative and I started to be able to come out of my cell for two hours per day to engage the prisoners. And I used that time to find out how many of them had went to the parole board and got a screening that said that they were unlikely to recur, that they wouldn't come back. And as I did that, I got these parole board screenings from these brothers, man. And I would say about 80 percent of them said that they were unlikely to recur. But they were given continuations. Yeah. They were kept. And so it wasn't just me. Yeah. A lot of us were kept. And so mm -hmm. so so when you ask that question of do I feel did I have this animosity that I feel this way where like something wasn't right? I didn't feel that way toward God, but I felt that way toward, toward the justice system. system. Yeah. And I still feel that way, bro. Yeah, I feel like definitely. it's a lot of work to be done. That's why it's big ups to the work that you do. Thank and it's, it's big ups to my homeboy, Meek Mills. It's, bi it's big ups to everybody that's doing this work to make sure that brothers are given the proper treatment mm -hmm. and that we dealt with in the right way when it comes to that system. Because, yeah, because it's definitely one of those things where um, 
especially when we think about the shackles that a felony has, which leads us to out of prison. Like you end up in that loop. Like, you, you, you know, the system. Like I was telling, um, I was having this talk with my dad, like, let's put it like this. If America's government gets involved, it's going to be money involved yeah. in time. Being locked up going to cost you a lot of time and money. And when I say you, it's more than you. It's your family. It's your loved ones. It's everybody. It's the money on the books. It's the trips. It's the, it's the you know, when you get out, what's the plans going to be? It, yeah. it becomes a toll. It is a business. Like everything that functions in America. For something to get off the ground in America, it got to make money. Right. And that, sadly, the the product of the system of incarceration in america is black men yeah bro it is black men yeah like we can we can beat around the bush you know if we still want to believe we're 13 percent of the population but like two-thirds of the prison population mm -hmm. you know um and, and and i mean you you were there and, yeah. and went and traveled and saw how many of us yeah hold up these weird ass like you say iona and alpina and these weird towns yeah whole industries yeah it's an industry bro like it's, it's 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 so awful man because i have traveled you know now at this point car i've been home it's been 13 years that i've been home i've mm -hmm. been to 20 plus countries you know doing the work of um engaging different institutional leaders on the educational front on the community front about yeah. how to reach at-risk youth uh how to make kids who are not into education reach for it and strive for it and in doing this work i've realized man that it ain't just the united states it, ain't, it wasn't just detroit it wasn't just michigan it wasn't the, it wasn't america when you go to these black communities you see this stuff happening man all the way across I, i've been man i've been in asia i've been all throughout europe i, I didn't been some places man and i mm -hmm. see it, it's it's mirror like you know the same type of stuff is going on where the commute the, the the opportunities are few but the opportunity the opportunities to grow and develop and do great things are few but the opportunities to be to be incarcerated and to be penalized for stuff is, is, are high like like they say prisons are full but they'll definitely make a bed for your ass that's right bro you know what i'm saying they'll build one for you <laughs> yeah they will. it's an it's, industry like you it's said it's a cop for you yeah you know what i'm saying like hey they ain't that old fool Nah, they you not, know, bro. <laughs> you know, and you don't want to play that game, especially being a black man, young yeah. black man, especially. So yeah. let's talk about getting out. Um, upon release, what was the plan? And I, soon yeah. after we meet, but what was the plan upon release? Man, I had one of the times um, that I went to solitary confinement, you know, in the, the 10 years that I was locked up, I spent six of those confined. Mm. And um, damn. In, in the hole I was in mm. solitary confinement and in, in one of those stints when I was in the hole I started hearing a hearing a voice uh, I started hallucinating because I was going to say I mean we're, we're social creatures and that's why yeah. people want to ban the hole altogether yeah. it's a big advocacy behind that I know Shaka's big on that yeah Shaka Sengor man I got but, mad respect um, for Shaka on that but uh, it's inhumane it is, bro, and it causes some some issues, man. And what what happened to me was I started hearing this little girl talking to me, and I couldn't ever make out the words, so I kept listening harder, 
trying to figure out what she was saying. And um, at some point, I just realized I, it ain't nobody there. Okay, now when you're hallucinating yeah. in that sense, and it's not, you know, it's not mushrooms or acid or nothing. Right. This is really just the fact of like how much social interaction is needed for human beings. Yeah. Uh, consciously, yeah. like how long did it take for that to happen? But you're saying you consciously snapped out of it. How long yeah. did it take to to hear to you know get there? Saying? Yes. To get to that place. Well, at that time, I think I had probably been in solitary confinement uh, a total of about four and a half years to five years um, at this time. Hmm. Yeah. And and that's about that's. But it really was the conditions of the prison that I was in. The prison that what I was, was in. What was the What was the trigger that led you? I mean, because also, you know, going to solitary, you can, yeah. depending upon what that prison is, it could be, you know, you don't, you know, you. You don't clean up your food. What What was the trigger? That, I mean, what were some of this the incidents time, that led you? Um, most of the time, it would be getting into it with the officers. The officers might tell yeah. me um, to lock down when I got like five or six minutes left to, yeah. you know, do my thing. When you in prison, bro, five, six five minutes, minutes is a long, long time, time, bro, because yeah. you, you inside of your cell for 23 hours. You know what I'm saying? So when I get this one hour out, I'm going to need all that. So when you telling me to lock down when in five minutes I could I could go to the microwave, warm me up a soup, I can make two phone calls, I could play a quick game of all this stuff could happen in five five minutes of freedom when you don't have any is expensive, bro. And so when the officers would tell me to lock down, I wouldn't be with the shits. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, you no, I ain't locking down. And then I would tell everybody else, why y'all finna lock down when we got five, six minutes left? And so stuff like that, me getting into it the officers for things that they would tell us to do that wasn't right. You know, that would yeah. be the majority of the time that I would find myself in the hole. Um, but but the story though, back to your question about um how long it took. Yeah, how long it took though. That that question, um, man, it took like five and a half years. And being in that hole, going back to your other question about how what was in my mind when I came yeah. home, how did I get myself on this page where I was doing the right things and stuff? Yeah. It was it was there when I was hallucinating. I found out if I talked to myself, hmm. I couldn't hear the voice. Wow. And so I started talking to my asking myself. So I started saying, well, Vine, what you going to do when you get home? OK, you're going to go to college for what? OK, when you go to college for uh business then what are you gonna what are you gonna do with the business degree okay so you're gonna start a company where you're selling products okay where are you gonna sell so i would ask myself these questions that went on for days mm. and this ended up becoming my life plan mm. this became the plan that i would that i would go by every day and i still move off this plan wow because i had i, I had nothing i had no books I had no television. The only thing I had was the risk of going psychotic, bro, of having a psychotic breakdown. That's all I had. If I didn't have a conversation about what I was going to do with my life, then yeah, you, you hearing one, two, Freddie's coming for you, <laughs> girl, uh, jumping rope over there in the corner. Like, what the hell? Bro, I was here. Something was going on, bro. So yeah. I had to have this conversation, man. And when I got home, you know, I, I didn't realize it right away until I had uh, did some work with Kellogg Foundation. Um, and a question was asked, the same question that you asked. And I told that story, which I had never told. I was kind of 
I was kind of embarrassed about hearing a voice, you know, yeah. and so I wouldn't really talk about it too much. But it was real, you know. It was what it was, and and um, that's what led me to make these plans that I was gonna uh, I was gonna do youth programs. I was gonna run a business. Um, I was going to make an impact in my city. This is what's so crazy. Is I mean, we we almost to the halfway point, but we 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 gonna grow, but Mary grow. Yeah. What led you to Mary Grove? And uh shout out to Mary Grove as the long institution live. is sad that it's closed. Yeah. What led you there? And how long did it take for you to get to Mary Grove College? Man, I started college a month after being released. Wow. Yeah. I started the social work program. I've I've initially I went to schoolcraft for coloring. I love that stove, bro. I love yeah. cooking, man. Yeah. And I went to uh schoolcraft college to to learn about culinary arts a little bit further because it's a good it's a good culinary program oh man it's one of the most outstanding ones we have in the state yeah, yeah. and so i was with that so i went there i enrolled and my cousin alan tumpkin man this is one of the brothers that uh, i will i will always respect and love for the rest of my life for what he did um he came to he came to my mother's house i was living with my mother and uh, i had only been home a couple of weeks and uh, and he said, so, Vaughn, what's up, man? Like, what you what you going to do? I'm like, well, I already enrolled in, in uh, Schoolcraft. Schoolcraft, yeah. And he said, what's with these programs that you were telling me about? You was writing me letters. You know, what's what's up with that stuff? So mm -hmm. I showed him and he said, man, you need to go to you need to go to uh, social work program at Mary Grove College. I'm going to mm -hmm. be here tomorrow morning. Be ready. He took me to that campus bro. I never left. I That's never left. That's so crazy. And I probably met you. And see, I didn't know it hit off, but shout out Leslie Jackson. Yeah, Leslie. What up, um, Leslie? And, and, yes, and shout out Khalid Muhammad. Yeah, because it yes, sir. was Khalid Muhammad. Yeah. Called me one day, and Khalid, as we know, with the Hip Hop Mobile Museum, yeah, and uh, you know, helping what's happening with the Hip Hop Museum in New York right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, his PhD now and the program that he's doing with the different university, like he's doing his thing. Yeah. But um. Khaled at the time was managing, um, you know, proof, iron fist and all that stuff. Yep. And, you know, definitely deeply connected with Professor Griff. And he's like, yo, brother, uh, it's a panel I got over here at Mary Grove. And yeah. it's this lady, it's this young sister that's doing some different things. I want to say I forget the father's name at at uh, at uh, at Mary Grove at the time. But he was like, yeah. yeah, the father that just came here wants to do more things in the community. Yeah, I think it was I Father think, Ted. Yep. He yep. was like, yo, I think you need to come be on this panel yep. and meet with Leslie Jackson. Yeah. So I meet with Leslie. I'm like, damn, Leslie, fine as ever. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. So I, I'm meeting with her and she's like, it's a new student here. Von Arrington, you need to meet Von. Yeah. And I was like, damn. And you just had everything on point. Yeah. And I'm sitting on this panel. I'm like. Damn, I need Vaughn to come on this TV show one day because I was hosting a TV show <laughs> yep. at the, the Michigan, Michigan Citizen, Citizen show. Yeah. Uh, on HPR, shout out Watkins Broadcasting. Like, so people kind of know. People be like, "Man, you you a good interview." I've been doing this interview, thing bro. You've for been a while. doing this for about fifteen years, yeah, bro. For a grip. So, so mm -hmm. these are kind of how all the pieces we get to a panel at Mary Grove. Yeah. And we're on this panel together. Yeah. Because Leslie wanted you to represent the students. Yeah. And I didn't know. I knew you was fresh out, but I didn't know you was that fresh out. You yeah. was like, 
it's like a it's like, fresh, like yeah, a couple it was of like weeks. A, like it was like a a month tops. So I, like yes, <laughs> maybe <laughs> like, two months. Like like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. A couple yep. of weeks ago. Yeah, that was a good panel too, man. That was a good panel, and that that is where we met, bro. And I had a, a Leslie had taken a strong liking to me, man, because of um man i had being in that sale car it's 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 uh man it's so depri it's depriving in ways that you don't even know mm -hmm. you know especially at, at my age i was 16 when i went in so i didn't understand all the opportunities that i had missed yeah. you know but when i had gotten out uh and and, and again we talking about 1997 okay when i went to prison brothers ain't had computers at their house you know, yeah. and so when I came home, brothers got computers in their pocket called a cell phone. Yeah. And so I'm, bro, I feel like Bernie Rubble. And you ate up everything. Bro, I now, couldn't sleep. Now as you talk about like, yo, one hour, I need everything. That's how you were with all of the events, all of the, uh, like, for certain people when they talk about going to college or high school or whatever. Yeah. But especially with college, like I tell people. Turn yeah. over your stones. It's opportunities yeah. in there. Like, and, and you know, um, you know, join some clubs, join some organizations, yeah. network, because you can meet some people that will be putting seeds and making plays later down the line. I know sometimes people like to look at damn there. Sometimes people look at college like how certain people look at serving time in jail. Like, hey, man, you know, I'm going to just go in, get my paper and then I'm out. Yeah. But you were turning over every stone. Yeah. That Mary Grove was throwing at you. I was hungry, bro. I was deprived of opportunity. I, yeah. I hadn't had a chance to engage with humans. Yeah. You know, I hadn't had an opportunity to to eat intellectual gems, bro. Fruit. I, I was I was deprived. And so now I'm in this educational institution where I can lead things. My voice is yeah. heard. I can listen to, man, profound wisdom from speakers mm -hmm. that want to come in and share it freely with me. This was man, it, man. College was crazy, uh, in a in a good way. So heck yeah, I was trying to I was trying to turn over every stone and have some knowledge yeah. under it, man. And I was like, yeah, man. You know, I rhyme, and you was like, yeah, I could do this and I could do that. Yeah. So I, I'm presenting all this information about how me and Von met because along the way, Von was like, yeah, you can rap. You doing your thing. You could. How how does this work? And you were just asking questions yeah. about how music happened you was like man i can introduce you to some people and i'm like man i'm planning something i want to manage some artists yeah. but give me some time and he was like i can introduce you to some people and i was like man von chill for a second let me figure out who those artists gonna be yeah so um so maybe about a year later because yeah. it ain't that much later May, uh, no. like almost like a year's time later maybe a year i don't even know if it was a whole year it may not even been a whole year very good point yeah because you would hit me up and i was like all right you keep hitting me up and this is back when i had the studio the 1440 on 1440 grass yeah. where like most people call it like where lake culture is like right next to right where lake culture yeah. is mm -hmm. the restaurant um i had a studio downtown that I share with some partners. And it was some young rappers. One of them is the the brother of my homeboy wife, Dre Dre, but like Jaren and them. And and he had a whole crew. And I was like, man, I know how these young dudes is. Cause you had a different idea. I'm like, if they don't have a job, what they gonna end up doing is like selling weed, be in and out of sort of like, you know, with little short stints and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't wanna do that. They don't really have no skill set. Some of them done dropped out of high school. What could they do? Yeah. They could be my street team. Mm. 
And I knew a lot about street team marketing from shout out to LaRock Bullock, uh, from LaRock yeah. and some other cats. Yeah. But I was like, they gonna need some organization and they gonna need somebody that that can recognize when they get on some street shit. Yeah. But also be cool with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, Von done served a dime. So he gonna know what this is like. Mm-hmm. And we gonna call this organization Human Flyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and bro. you were like, what is it gonna be? What, what, what? I'm like, look, all we really gotta do is be personable, talk to people, smile, and hand out information. Cause mm-hmm. we gonna pump stuff up. Yeah. And I was like, I'm gonna get y'all some contracts. The first contract I had, so I set up a business. <laughs> yeah. This is what's so crazy. I set up a business and had contracts already just based on relationships. So Mom and G and the Detroit events team was like one of the first contracts. So she set us up with the Campus Marshes contract. Yeah. And then right after the Campus Marshes contact, the Detroit events team, this is when the Detroit Red Wings won their last championship. We had the Red Wings rally. Um, it was also Hump and Hair Wars. Hump yep. the Grinder and Hair Wars. The Hair Wars was crazy. And I, you know, I love Hump. Yeah. You know, Hump needs to eat. I'm gonna I'm gonna reconnect y'all too. And Bullock, David, David, David Bullock, Bullock, and yeah. all of the stuff he was doing yeah. with the church. So I had like four different contracts already ready. Already so pistoled up. You was ready to was, go. It was at the time, you know, what's that, 12, 12 years ago? What, what yeah, thinking, it was like about 13, 12, years, 12 ago. years ago. Like so 12. like whatever that is around that time, like 07, 08. Yeah. Um, so no, nah, that's even further back than that. So it was, yeah, like it was, uh, it was, oh, I think it was, oh, eight it was oh eight oh nine yeah oh eight on that interview yeah so and and this is like a lick for like you know maybe like fifteen thousand dollars worth of business and in my mind at that time 15 g's is like damn this 15 i remember i kicked it to you i'm like this 15 g's and i just want like a piece off the top yeah you can run with this vaughn yeah but you but you know what you got to rewind a little bit though because because we can't we can't excuse god from the equation because let me tell you yeah i had this idea brewing that i would create something where i could use kids at the college to do something mm-hmm. yes and that's when you hit me we was on we was, we was on we was doing the show because i kept hitting you up and you said you're gonna come on my show so i went on the show and you like you asked me you well, what you gonna do next and i said well i got this idea that i've been playing with of, of growing something boom we go to commercial break and you say bro I'm I'm do we gonna do this together. Yes. And that's when you hit me like, listen, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, well, I'm thinking this. And bam, you laid out for me. You had it all laid out. Yeah, and I had the logo. I had the business yep. idea. I was like, yeah. I got contracts already. Because <laughs> my thought process is I, you hear my perspective of it. Yeah. Cause, but this is where you and already legwork you was doing. Yeah. My rapper friends, the little homies, yeah, they did not show up. They showed up one day and it would and nothing else. Yeah. So you called me the very next day, like, dog, your people ain't here. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I'm bro. like at the that studio, was, right? And I'm that like, was man, sad you, that day. and then you was like, but I got you. I got people from campus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, well, make it happen. I'm gonna just take less of a cut because I thought I was providing the people in the contract. Yeah. And from there human flyers in your lap and they yeah. never call the shout out to the mcs and them but they never called me back after that it's like <laughs> i gave them i gave them a day of work and some money i'm like damn man you making like you know 75 dollars for passing out uh flight yeah. they they wasn't feeling it 
Nah, they wasn't, bro. You know what? Some things are for some people, some things not. But but that's why I say we can't we can't excuse God yeah. from it because here I am, an ex prisoner, looking for an opportunity to earn a dollar. Yeah, and it ain't many for me. But see, what I what I knew, what I did understood from what I understood from gang banging is that when you got a bunch of people in one room and y'all on one movement, it's powerful. As long as you can orchestrate it, and I learned that from doing my thing mm -hmm. with my set, and so. When that opportunity came up, bro, I was already I was I was fully present because I knew the power of mm -hmm. what we had created. And I thought you would have been like more like on a manager kind of kicking back level. Yeah. But you took that game and came back to me like like the Red Wing Rally. Mama and G had the African World Festival. That's back when it was still at Heart Plaza. Yeah. And we was doing that thing. Um, yeah. You were running like full staff and where like, I think maybe like out of them first couple contracts, I don't know, maybe like I got like a G out of that or something, which was gravy. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But then since then, you like, yo, man, this stuff is still blowing up, man. It's some yeah. politicians coming to me. It's community organizers coming to me more. I'm like, you was like, what should I do? And I was like, get the money. I yeah. I'm like, yo, bro, that baby yours. I ain't even. I'm over here running this studio, yeah. trying to figure out what I'm doing. With which that. was sad for me, bro. Which was sad for me because, you know, I had went down, man, and I got to give a shout to to our boy Kamal over at All Pro All Pro Color .com. Yeah, All Pro man, Kamal. I went down there to him and showed him what we was trying to do, bro. And he built a new logo. Yeah, he gave me some colors. Yeah. And he and he just gave me some business cards and a girl named Deanna Gardner, man. I, I remember Deanna. Yeah, De you know what? Deanna was actually my first girlfriend home from prison, bro. I remember yeah. she was yeah, cause you you came and we like most times you just come to my crib, yeah, and just meet in our living in my living room and we yep. just talk business here. for a while. We was here. Yeah, yeah, we was, was like, it. yo, uh, I was like, um. I was like, yeah, I, I don't know if I can get more contracts like that. I'm still yeah. trying. I was still perplexed that the, the MCs ain't follow through. I was like, man, yeah. damn. What? Man, it was so much more to do, man. And, and her, Deanna and Kamal said, this is brilliant what you're doing. And then we end up getting a call from a couple politicians um, that was just a whole nother level of the game. They talking about doing the whole county. And yeah. I said, damn, well, I, I, I don't know. This is a lot. And so... I did it, you know. I remember because you you called me. You was like, "Yo, man, I got this call." Uh, you ever heard of Kavanaugh? I was like, "You mean from from the county?" I was like, "I was like, yeah, man, I got a call where he said like, yo, man, I may have a uh, you know, let's put it like this. We passed the statute of limitations, but uh, I I think this may be a contract for like ten G's." I was like, "Are you serious?" I was like, "From one client." I was like, damn, that's the lick. I was like, bro, you, bro, you got your numbers from. I, it I, was, it was, it was a little more than 10 G's, I know, bro. I know, but like I say, even though it's a statute, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so, all right, well, like 20 something. So, like, I mean, you, you know, but the statute of limitations, if anybody listening. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah, is yeah. that contract come through. Yeah. This organization really even wasn't the on paper was everything I wrote up in the flyer. Like, we, I made like this like piece of paper with some arms and a guy smiling because I was like, it just got to look like it's happy yeah. and affable because right. that's what people want to see. Yeah, bro. And that piece of paper, that what you drew up, that's all I had to offer. I went to Kamal like, look, this this what I got. What can you do? Yeah. And he like, all right, boom, come back tomorrow. Bro, he went to work on that digital oh, yeah. design and created a masterpiece, bro. And there it was, bro, the birth of human flyers. 
had now become known to the public in, a, in another type of way because we was able to pass these cards out pass these brochures out pass these flyers out with our name on it and what what you had in your head and what i had in my head that turned into what now bro is all i do and and, and it synced up so well like for everybody listening especially like if you're we're brothers from different backgrounds, definitely. I, yeah. I definitely didn't put down no dime. But we're the same age. Yeah. So, like, to see two 25-year-old black men come together around a business idea yeah. and both pour into it. This is kind of like the the interview I did last two weeks ago with where Tony and Cliff talk about Hot Sam's and, like, being in business together as brothers. Yeah. This is just chewing the fat and having a good idea having somebody that has the passion to follow through and then like a visionary that's like sees where the where a need is and then working out the clink kinks yeah. but then also knowing when to walk away when you ain't putting in the work like that yeah but you still was like yo if you want to get back in you can get back in but i'm like now nah, man i'm over here but it's like it trips me out the more and more i see you travel the world with this because i'm like yeah. damn that's that's I'm like Bond kicking ass. Yeah, bro. It, I didn't. I didn't ever, man. We ain't ever talk about it. Not for real, for real. But I gotta tell you, bro. You was missed, bro. Because the energy that you and I both had was so intense and fiery and, and similar yeah. that us doing that thing together, it was just unstoppable. But, bro, like, you but had to this, tell you the truth, though. Like, let hundred percent clear, even with me. The first contract I got with Ngia, I was surprised we got. Yeah. Because you remember, like, okay, so when people know Detroit events seem like we're 20, we're young black men. Like, this is, this is most of our business at this point in time is, like, handled, like, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the restaurant area of a McDonald's or a Burger King or yeah. something. Ngia would be like, yo. Meet me down at my office in the CompuWare building. So like we gotta right. get like, like some security passes. We gotta get badges. We gotta like get some, we gotta get cleared. This, it was like, major. And we, you know what I'm saying? We're as professional as we could be. You know, we as like button up be. like that era. Bro, like, I didn't even know how to tie a tie at that point. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Bauer here on Quantez Presley, bro. They saw they taught me how to tie. I didn't know what I was doing, bro. But so, we was reaching another level of the game. So we in this CompuWare and then and G in, in classic mom and G form. She like look this is what y'all boys gonna get and this is what we gonna do i was like it's that much money you know what i'm saying yeah. like i'm like i'm like nudging you like shit I'm like, like hey we about to do this <laughs> bro bro you got this <laughs> real talk real I talk the energy of like a heist movie yeah but it was it was business money and it was yeah. a service we could provide yeah and we did provide it and we provided it well well enough to the point where the word started to spread that we were so impactful on these streets that we started getting calls from the folks that wanted to round up the whole county you know so so that just lets you know how impactful how strong and now it's gotten to the point where bro i man i could just run through what we've done now but i i i don't want to miss out on saying this that along with the knowledge that i had and not you Mm -hmm. I ain't had you. I didn't have much ideas on uh, how taxes work and all this stuff, man. Man, I started to run that thing into the ground. I, bro. I know you did. Like I said, I said the statute of limitations because he was like, "What am I supposed to do?" And I, and at that point in time, even when working working with H and R Block, I wasn't as familiar with corporate taxes. Like we yeah. never set up the LLC. We never did anything. This was like straight up from the ground. From the ground, up. bro. And it's obviously when you do street team promotions, it's grassroots already. Absolutely. And 
most of those contracts are like right now. Like right now, when that person's talking to you, like if for anybody listening, this will always be a business. Oh yeah. It'll so like for stop. anybody listening, it's always a business. It'll never stop. But it's definitely hard work and you gotta roll up your sleeves and get you out got there. To. But furthermore, it is always, you know, people always want to reach people. And it's mm -hmm. the best way to reach people. And then research to show you too that there is absolutely none. There is no greater marketing effort than person-to-person -person marketing. No. You cannot do any better. Word of mouth. Me telling you that this restaurant got the best chicken is going to work way better than any A beautiful, colorful flyer you yeah. could ever print up. It's about talking to people. And that thing became so big because of that. And it'll never die because of that. And and what's so crazy is like even when I was telling you, you, you saying some of my talking points from before then, I was like, it's a tool. The flyer is a tool. Because mm -hmm. like some people hand people a flyer and it's like, here you go. Here yeah. you go. Like when you go out to Las Vegas and, yeah. you know, like people just going to hand you like a flyer to like, you know, a magician or a strip club or whatever, a new restaurant. Yeah. But it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's different when that one person stops you and you walking out of your Vegas hotel and they say, hey, you know, uh, you don't look like you from around here. But let me tell you about the best restaurant that just opened up. And take this. I, I want you to take this with me, which, yeah. you know, this is 15 percent off. And you can tell them that Mike sent you. Yeah. In reality, they don't know who the hell Mike is. But when you go in there, if you make the pitch with the with the flyer the right way. You getting that 15% off. Exactly. And they were winning, bro, because of us. And that thing, bro, it, it, it boomed so hard, Kari. It was, it was just, I had never seen that much success, bro. And But like I said, I started to run that thing into the ground because of my lack of knowledge. And I needed another partner, bro. And I was at Mary Grove, you know, and it was a girl there, Sarah May. And I approached her to help me with my nonprofit. Mm -hmm. But we, I think you met Sarah once. I think we met, um, I'm, I'm gonna say, I don't think we met in person, but definitely through email. Cause you had somebody that was like, send me all the stuff that y'all got. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she, she, um, she ended up working with me on the nonprofit side of things and we got turned down from a, a grant that we applied for and we needed to figure out some bread bro because we were graduating mm -hmm. we thought we had everything figured out that we was going to run team strength detroit and we were going to be funded by the kellogg Fund. we thought all this stuff and no and so it was like well we need to figure this thing out and i told i say look i got a business that i had put to rest because of what Dr. Fike said. Dr. Fike had pulled me in as his, um, I would say, informal uh, intern. Yeah. You know, he was taking me everywhere, bro, just showing me a whole other side of life that mm -hmm. I had never seen. I had become well prepared for those meetings with Angia yeah. um, through him and through through uh, my work with the city council. But she and I had this conversation and I said, we could raise our own money. If mm -hmm. we pick this thing back up, I'm telling you, it, it would go crazy. It was it was so much money. I'm telling you, let's do this. And sh and I ask, I say, do you do you do you think this could work? Would you be willing to work with me on this? And she said, Yeah, yeah, I will. I said, Well, would you quit your job and help me build this? And she said, I I was waiting for you. Like I already know, bro. Mm -hmm. She quit. Sarah quit her job, bro. And we went full steam ahead. We got our first contract with the water department of Detroit. Mm -hmm. 
we got another contract bro with uh, blue cross blue shield like it had turned from us doing the biggest thing we had did was the wayne county treasure thing yeah we did that but then boom bro we moved into some major stuff man and we moved around in 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 circles that was way bigger than what i projected possible you know? and i mean to the point now where president of the united states yeah bro i uh back when the biden campaign was moving around in the city um kamala came to the city i had got invited to meet her mm -hmm. and i spoke with her briefly i told her what i was doing in the city what i could do and she said well i'm gonna have some conversations and i had a couple conversations too with some folks man and i ended up getting a phone call that said we want to pull you in as the field director for detroit mm -hmm. bro bro i i i'm so proud of of myself for that mm -hmm. but the work that we did with human flyers from from you to sarah to all of the folks that we work with it had met, raised me to this level where I could meet with somebody who was running for the vice president seat of the United States and be taken seriously. That we have grinded that hard that I could stand eye to eye and say, I could Bro. do this. And that's where like, I just sit back and I say like, damn, Vaughn is out here kicking ass. Yeah, bro. Of like really putting in the grind. So that, I mean, as, as we get to like closer to a close, what is it that keeps you so committed and grinding? Because yeah. When I think of turning over that stone and creating opportunity, you do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's a lot of people that do sit on their laurels and just either maybe because they're afraid. Yeah. I don't even know what it is, but they're just not going at it. Yeah. And you created an opportunity like your life story is like when a person even look at this podcast, they like, are you serious? And you create it now where you're comfortable. You know, yeah. you have the money, you have the business. You can scale up if you want because you know you can you can with the, with your business you can work 24 7 if you want to yeah you know what i'm saying i don't want to or scale do down it, but you know what i'm saying yeah. you can scale up or scale down yeah either way what, yeah what is it that keeps you committed in that grind to knowing that this is what's gonna play out this is what's gonna happen god bro i i know that i have i, I got a design i'm designed for something and I wake up every day understanding that design, bro, because I live it, I breathe it, I feel it every day. My phone was just vibrating because the kids are calling me. The mm. kids who are cutting grass right now, quarter cuts, is calling me, bro. And they call me when I wake up. The kids call me in my sleep, bro. And I ain't talking about the phone. I'm talking about my, my, my purpose. I know what I need to do. And so me raising the money um that i do me and sarah working together to do this thing now it's all about us being able to fund our nonprofit. teams in detroit survival relies on human flyers if we don't do this thing are we able to make the impact that we're making the answer is no bro not right now but i think it's possible later and so we've had these conversations of letting human flyers be run by someone else and this wow. is the, this is the conversation that we having now is you know, who is equipped enough to president seat this thing while we move over to team strength? Because um, that's that's the really the nature of myself, bro. That's what makes me do it is I want to impact as many at risk children that I can while I'm alive. Well, I definitely want to uh, tip my hat and, and I just kick back like I don't know how many people feel about it, but, you know, 
people know I grind on my business and my ideas through creativity. And you took one of my ideas through creativity and you grew it like you almost it, you grew it to like a point like where, you know, like that, that project when you plant that that little tree in your grandma backyard. Then yeah. you come back like 20 years later and you like, damn, like it's real apples off this thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's what you did. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, with human flyers. So I sit back and and. and Yo, it's it's one of the dopest things ever. You know what I'm Bro, saying? Bro, but you know, you got to know, man, like you, that's why I said we can't leave God out of it because you had that vision and so did I, that we mm -hmm. could build this, that we saw the same stuff and we just thank, thank God we were able to run into each other because we both were sharing that vision. And yeah. so it's so, so it, you know, a lot of times we say uh, nobody will see the vision like you. Yeah. And that's true. But when you run into somebody who saw what you saw yeah, and who was carrying this stuff, that's why I say God, bro, because it's just really weird that I was having these ideas to build this thing. You having this idea to build this thing. Mm -hmm. and, and there we go. And I needed to do what God needed me to do. And this has enabled me to do it. So, bro, I think you were divinely placed. I, I was going to say I from this conversation and knowing more about your life, like this is what's so weird too. When I get people on this podcast, like you, my homie, you know what I'm saying? There's certain things I've learned in this discussion that I did not know. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I definitely could see that. And, and, and furthermore, you know, whatever that path is, you know, we're going to turn over more stones mm -hmm. and we got more to come because we're going to be, you know, running down the court together again. You know yes, what I'm sir. saying? It's like, yo, you know, I'm going to pitch off. Then I'm going to pitch back, you know, Hey, yeah. it's a fast break. It is, bro. And I just want to say this while we while we got the air and I got the I got the public. I got ears, bro. I just want to tell you mm -hmm. the work that you're doing in the past, uh, the work that you've done, not that you're doing right now. Thank you. All of this stuff, bro, that you're doing, none of it, none of it, bro, is going without notice from him. I, I, I strongly believe this, dog, that every single thing that you put your hand on, Kari, has been able to glitter because you're doing it, understanding what he needs from you, bro. I think that because you are built that way, that you're able to impact corners that you don't really get to see. Like you didn't know that I that that's what was really bubbling up in me and bro. that I needed to do all of this stuff. No. But see, you gave me something that I was able to take and build up so that I can do what he asked me to do. And, and what's so deep even about that, like we, we're the same age. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we peers and we feed off of each other. But along with that same age about you wanting to work with young people, sort of like my kid sister, like most people know, that's not like my blood, but my but Mashar Davis. But like oh, Mashar. Yeah. Yes, sir. But the you know, she ended up being one of my R.A. students. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. So like you and Mashar, like sometimes I think the work and the impact we focus so much on quantity but the yeah. quality of like one that can take something and run with it yeah it's like yo sometimes somebody got the glow you got the glow like sometimes it's just that impact of one yeah you may have a thousand kids in there and other kids look at it like hey whatever but that one take it and just that's lebron james you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like one sees the vision you hit corners and everything. Like I look at the opportunity you're doing with DPS. And and when you share your story, when we was doing follow the leader talking to the kids. Yeah. And sometimes a kid will run up to me. Some of them get it. It because sometimes, like what you say, maybe like I like love your analogy. Like, maybe I'm not the bird for this one. 
Maybe I'm not the, the bird that's going to fly them up out the water or get them up out of wherever they at now. Maybe somebody else is. Mm -hmm. But it's powerful, bro. It's yeah. powerful. Hey, it's always powerful, bro. When you move off the spirit, when you when you moving off of what's going on inside your heart, it's some power being produced again that you may not see, but just know what's happening. Mm -hmm. It's being orchestrated, bro. And you have been being that tool. You talked about you. the flyer being a tool. You are that tool. Thank and you. you have you have enabled me to be able to move in all these different corners, man. And I thank you and I appreciate you for it, bro. All right. So classic Detroit is different questions before we wrap. And I'm definitely going to bring you back and we'll talk more some more fat about actually like some nuances and business methods and stuff. Yeah, people sure. definitely need to know that because you really did get the business up from the ground that anybody, anybody listening, you can start a human flyers. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can start a human flyers. That's right. It's, it's hands and it's mouthpiece. That's, That's it. Right. You know, now, uh, very first car year making model. What year did you get it? And I already know you're going to probably be like, yo, man, it took a minute because I was locked down. But. <laughs> man, it was uh, it was 2008 mm. uh, XJ6 Plaz Jaguar, mm. 1991. It was the very last line of Jaguars built by hand. That was my first car. Okay. Um, yeah. That's that human flyer money right there. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Even flyer money at them in the Jag. What was the first place you went when you had it? Man, I think I think I just scooted right downtown, bro, to flex. Okay. I just wanted to go flex a little bit. Yep. I think that was it, man. Just okay. just doing my thing, moving around, showing off. Okay. How long you keep that ride? Man, that that ride, bro, was a lot of work, bro. They, I, I imagine the ninety one. It was probably like <laughs> listen. Yeah. They was like uh, they said, you know, this was. I took it to the dealer. I had got a little money. Probably to get an oil change was like a thousand dollars. Man, <laughs> listen, I took that sucker to uh, to Jaguar. I say, look, uh, it's a few things wrong with it. I want to fix everything that's wrong with. It. I wanted to be crispy. Everything on the inside, mechanically, I want it working. They say, okay, uh, you got to buy two. I said, hilarious. What? I said, what you mean I got about? They say one to drive, one to fix. This car was made by hand, brother. We're going to need to work on it all of the time. I said, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know what I did? I left that bug at the shop. Hilarious. <laughs> I left it, bro, because the engine went out. I left that, man. I kept on going, man. But I, I ended up getting a bin. I got. I had a couple Benzes. Um, man, right now I got a Ram. Um, I didn't, I didn't drove, I had to quit the motorcycle game, man. Mm -hmm. People kept telling me I was going to die on that thing. Um, uh, but now I got, I got a drop top Benz. I got a drop top Camaro. I got the, the 20 Ram. Um, and that's it, man. I got a, I got a big van too. Okay. To keep the kids the moving little kid. Yeah. Yeah. But that thing beat up, man. We need a new one now, Hilarious. man. That thing needs it's some coming. help. It's coming. And then, um, if you were the DJ at the uh detroit fire at the end of the detroit fireworks woodward and jefferson you the dj yeah. what song you playing as the fireworks in oh damn oh man oh man that's who that's a hard one. Oh, you know what the song that want to come out my mouth is benny siegel look at me now <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, Benny Siegel, look at me now, man, because it's a reflection piece. Yeah, you know, look at where I came from, look at where I'm standing. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, and last question: If you could rename Woodward after one D trader, who would it be and why? Oh, I would say Young. Mm. Okay, I would name it after Coleman Young, and the reason why is because I don't see I don't see enough of a reflection of him here, bro. 
Mm -hmm. That man put in so much work for this city. Yeah. And where you see him? Yeah. I don't see him, bro. Where do you see him? Real question. When people bring it up, when I ask them this question. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, bro. I would, I would call, I would call M1. I would call Woodward Young. I would. Mm. Yeah. That's it, man. Uh, thank you so much. Hopefully people get in contact with you uh, through me. But, you know, reach out to Human Flyers. You can see them at DPS. You, you got that contract. What you doing with DPS? Man, we are doing recruitment and retention. We're making sure that the students that have strayed away from DPS, they understand what it's offering now. Okay. Yeah, it used to be a certain thing, but DPS is not what it used to be. Take a look because it's a, it's a whole nother place now. All right, let's do it. Let's get it. Thank you, sir. Detroit is different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.